Hello and welcome to Carbon Removal Newsroom. I'm Ross Kenyon, lead strategist with the Nori Carbon Removal Marketplace. Today I have with me Rick Parnell, the Foundation for Climate Restoration CEO. Thanks for being here, Rick. Thanks for having me. And hello from United Nations General Assembly and and, uh, the Climate Summit. You just had to brag. Had to let everyone know, Rick. That's cool. Probably the one of the more exotic locales that someone has transmitted to us for this show. Well, we saw a press release come out and it's been bandied about through our channels that there is a new coalition for climate restoration which just launched. What exactly is this about, Rick? What are you hoping to achieve? Who are you working with? Give me the give me that rundown that I that I'm after. Sure. So, we launched the Global Coalition for Climate Restoration at the UN on September 17th, this was the first annual global forum for climate restoration. And this was the idea of being able to bring the message of restoration carbon removal in addition to mitigation adaptation. But as our good friend and uh, partner Kathleen Rogers of Earth Day Network likes to say, this is the third leg of the stool. So this was a chance to bring a lot of different people together it was at the uh, Trusteeship Council at the UN. And, and for those who are not familiar with the UN, this is the second largest room. So we had uh, 700 people register, which we were just absolutely thrilled to register to talk about climate restoration. So what it did was it brought together people of different walks. We had Tom Baruch, who is a uh, one of the original venture capitalists um, out of uh, Silicon Valley. He is funding a lot of different companies to do things like direct capture, turning air into water, he, and other kinds of things like that. We had uh, Earth Day Network uh, spoke about their uh, belief and support for climate restoration. We had Katie Edler was our keynote. She brought down the house. She is the youth who's been running the um, strikes, uh, one of the partners on the strikes in the U.S. Um, over the last couple of years. She's a veteran um, of this show, too. Had her on oh, a few months ago. Uh, Absolutely phenomenal. She's so impressive. Incredible. We had the Vatican spoke on, I'll call it the moral imperative of climate restoration, the idea that we have to restore the climate to ensure the future um, of humanity, the the very survival of the species. And then we had um, movement builders, we had artists, we had poets, we had a new concrete company that's come online over the last year in San Francisco that actually builds concrete by removing carbon um, from the air. So it's actually carbon negative concrete, very exciting, lots of potential there. So we just had a, a, just a very different mix. We had um, women and the role of uh, women's movement and uh, climate. So this was a, uh, a pretty broad mix. What we did with the, the coalition was that we took advantage of the forum as a way to launch that the Coalition for Climate Restoration, the idea is that whether it is um, companies, it's individuals, it's uh, movement builders, organizations, nonprofits. We can all come together and talk about uh, climate restoration and support for climate restoration and the idea of that we have to get ourselves back to 300 parts per million. This is our mission, 300 parts per million by the year 2050. It's an unbelievably ambitious goal, but our founder, uh, Peter Fikowski, who I think you know, Peter Fikowski is a physicist and an entrepreneur from Silicon Valley. And after years of uh, research and conversations, what he came back to is that humanity has uh, survived and thrived for thousands of years at less than 300 parts per million. And only in the last few decades have we crossed 400 parts per million, 415, some say 450 and climbing. So our goal is to get the uh, 
the climate back to under 300 parts per million by the year 2050. That is ambitious. And yes, Peter Fikowski is a, is a friend. Uh, he's a reversing climate change podcast alumnus. And uh, yeah, we should, we, should, we should talk, Peter. It's, it's been too long. We'll have to get in touch with you here and are happy with what you're doing. In fact, I'm pretty sure that we learned the term climate restoration from you. I know this is the term that you most prefer for, uh, what's the best way to say this? The sector in which carbon removal will be operated is part of the broader climate restoration movement. And I like that. There's something that's optimistic about it, curative, restorative. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. So, Rick, where exactly does carbon removal or negative emissions technology, where, where does it fit inside of climate restoration? And I'm kind of patting this a little bit because, you know, getting down to that level uh, obviously requires this to some extent. Right. So the, the three areas that we're focused on, and I, and I want to purposely say not working in because we don't run programs, we're trying to identify and lift up um, technologies, programs, initiatives that are focused on our term climate restoration. So I would call it uh, essentially a third of what we're doing. The other two thirds are how do we restore the oceans to healthy um, and healthy fisheries and the question of ice. Uh, probably the most critical question right now. We had uh, um, an organization, ICE 911, you probably know Leslie Field, but working on some um, Arctic ice restoration solutions. So we talked a little bit about that. But um, carbon removal, um, I think, has the the fastest potential because it uh, is some technology that is now online. So let me go back to the concrete company, Blue Planet in San Francisco. The, I believe it's the Southwest um, Wing. It's one of the new terminals at, at uh, San Francisco Airport. was actually used as concrete in its construction, and it's already been tested for strength and for uh, durability. Uh, it's lightweight, so it's, it's meeting the, the test. So we think that there's a lot of potential here. But more importantly, we think that there are one of our partners is the XPRIZE, for example. And one one of the things that we've been talking about the XPRIZE is that as they identify solutions in their new $100 million prize for carbon removal technology that they will be launching next year, let's all work together on making sure that these technologies are lifted up and that people know that they can use them. I'm a, I'm a believer in, and I have run into so many people, whether it's you know corporate CEO leadership, boardrooms, that they just don't know that a lot of these things are out there and that they want to do the right thing. Not every company, but there's a lot of organizations that would like to do the right thing, but the choices have not put it in front of them. So that's one of the things that we're trying to do is to try and and quickly um, ramp up and showcase, highlight so that the technology can be taken to scale quickly. Yeah, one of the criticisms of carbon removal that's pretty common, and I've been reading David Wallace Wells' uh, The Uninhabitable Earth, and there's this constant fear that carbon removal tech just will not scale. It's sort of this like techno fix to Pollyanna approach to people who are techno optimists. It's just not going to happen, is, is basically, it's not going to get there in time. But of course, it's definitely not going to get there in time if we aren't doing stuff like this and, and trying to grow it as fast as possible. And also, it doesn't even seem like we have a choice. We ha- if we don't do carbon removal, we're, we're already, fi- even if we cut emissions, we're already in the danger zone. So I'm not sure why be so negative about it. We have no choice but to boost carbon removal. 
I think we absolutely have to. I mean, the IPCC report from the fall of last year said essentially try everything. It's too late. We have to. We cannot wait for science to be proven, tested. We have to do it safely. Of course, we need protocols. We need to have governance. But we can't sit and wait for things to be tested over multiple years and then potentially implemented. And can we find funding? We just have to get on with it. As uh, Peter likes to say, humanity has been doing, I, I hate the term geoengineering. I think it's incredibly loaded. But if you want to call it geoengineering, we've been doing it for two centuries. And that's how we got to where we are today. Why wouldn't we try and take the technologies that we have, try and increase them, invest in them? and bring them online so that we can restore the climate and reverse the damage that humanity has done. I'm a huge believer that if you leave people in a position where you tell them that they're, they're doomed and the end is near and don't give them the ability to try and fix what's happened, then people become paralyzed and they don't know what to do. I'm not saying this is a Pollyanna message or that we have all the solutions. I'm saying that mitigation, adaptation are absolutely critical. Renewables are here to stay and only growing. As Tom Baruch said at our, um, our forum, there is somewhere between a $1.5 and a $10 trillion annual opportunity in this new transportation and energy transfer. Someone will get this right, and so we should all be promoting and helping foster these kinds of for-profit solutions that can scale. So I absolutely believe this is what we have to do. Yeah, I think you I think you are uh, hewing to exactly the correct line on that. And that's a big part of what we try to do with these shows too, both this and reversing climate change. Is we spend a lot of time speaking with entrepreneurs where, you know, a lot of them are pretty small startups now, but I wouldn't be surprised if within our guests there were a couple people who are as familiar to audiences as Richard Branson or Bill Gates 10 years down the line. I think there's a, a lot of money and a lot of businesses to be built out of carbon removal. And the world is starting to see this potential too. And in no small part due to things like what you're doing. And I'm really happy that you're trying to get this out to a bigger audience, especially, you know, carbon removal sometimes gets lumped in with high tech VC entrepreneurial Silicon Valley sort of scene. But that's a very different scene from the UN, right? Being at the United Nations is a really big deal in an entirely different audience. Maybe not not mainstream in a pejorative sense, but it is sort of where much of policy is decided and having an influence at that level, I think is really key in an audience that hasn't been properly reached by carbon removal aficionados. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say two things about the UN. I worked for Ted Turner for almost 20 years. And as Ted used to say, uh, if it wasn't for the UN, we would have had World War III. The UN is the place to go and have these kinds of conversations. And the reason that we wanted to kick off our coalition and have the forum at the UN is there is no greater place to have world attention um, on the fact that climate restoration needs a place at the table. World leaders have come together. There's a lot of uh, movement on mitigation and adaptation. It's time for us to move into restoration. It's, it's interesting when you think about being here during this week, back in 1945, that you know nations were finishing a, a world war uh, implementing a, uh, a Marshall Plan to rebuild Europe and start launching the United Nations. So I, I think it's it's another testament to humanity that when we decide, we can do it all. We just have to decide we want to get it done. And I, I just want to uh, say there was a young person. We had some um, some youth come in um, from Chicago to attend. These are 15, 16, 17-year-old students from uh, the greater Chicago area. And this young woman, Ashley, the next day after the forum, we had a, a closed door 
brainstorming session with all the different partners about working over the next um, year and how do we want the forum to develop and the coalition so that when we are, we're here for the second annual in September of 2020, we can talk about what we've done, the, the, the deliverables um, and the success and the momentum. And she said to me, I'd said to the group, um, we asked for anybody that had thoughts. And she said to the group, I came into this thinking I had no future and that I would not have children and that my future was, was doomed. She said, I've had a 180 experience and I'm going home to tell other youth, we can do this. There is a future for humanity. We just have to decide we want to do it. That's good. Uh, it's nice to hear hope. You know, I've seen both uh, the very well-attended, well-listened to Greta Thunberg uh, speech, I assume at the same event or a neighboring event that happened yesterday. Um, but I think there's a lot of, I can't imagine being a kid, I guess. In, in this, It's scary as a 31-year-old, but I can't imagine being 16. Seems like not a lot of hope. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that at least your <laughs> people are getting inspired there, or at least they're not so beat down by the threats that they're unable to move or exercise any agency whatsoever. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> these were not the things I was thinking about when I was uh, 14, 15, 16 years old. So these are incredible youth. Yeah, I was mostly writing bad poetry and, and uh, <laughs> doing that whole scene. So uh, a little different. Well, thanks so much, Rick. Thanks for being here. If someone wanted to follow your work and keep in touch, if they know a business that should maybe be a part of what you're passing around and, and representing, what's a good way for someone to get in touch with you? So um, I would ask everyone to join the Coalition for Climate Restoration. That's at f4cr.org. You can join the coalition. We'll keep you updated. Um, you can learn more. And to people that have solutions, we want to hear from them because I truly believe there are a lot of solutions out there that have not seen the light of day. And so we are encouraging people to step forward and tell us about some of the solutions that they have. So hopefully we can showcase them and, and help lift them up. It's a great opportunity if you're listening and you're working on carbon removal. If you have an idea that you're maybe not a full business yet uh, or full organization, but you're working there's resources out there for you and people want to help create this nascent industry and they're here to help. Uh, so definitely do that. Um, we will be looking into this too for, for Nori. Thanks so much for being here with us, Rick. Thank you so much. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Let your friends know if you know entrepreneurs working in carbon removal or you yourself are one of them. Take advantage of these resources. Try and get plugged in. There's a community of support. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email podcast at nori.com. I've steered people towards certain resources when they're developing businesses, and I'm happy to do so for you as well. And thank you so much for listening.